0: specific moment in time.
2: This is Jenna Ellis in the morning.
0: Well, good morning and happy Monday. Today is January 22nd. And of course, the top headline this morning is that Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, once seen as the most formidable opponent to Donald Trump in the Republican presidential primary, has suspended his race yesterday and endorsed former President Trump. This, of course, coming from NBC. And the move comes two days before the New Hampshire primary. So it is all but fixed and certain that Donald Trump will be the GOP nominee. So how do conservatives and Christians think about this? Well, this has been a very divisive, very contentious primary, and a lot of different opinions, especially from the AFR family, uh, from Christians across the nation, and from conservatives. And as you all know uh, from listening to me, I had uh, endorsed in my private personal capacity Governor DeSantis. Um, I really believe that he was the best possible conservative that we could have nominated. And um, he didn't He didn't win. That's how it goes. Um, when When you have people who are running in an election, then there are always uh, winners, and there are always people who you know just don't quite make it. That's okay. And we can move forward as conservatives and especially as Christians still wanting the best for our country and asking the question, so where does this go now? Um, There are a lot of people who have supported Donald Trump and he is their first choice and they're very happy about this and they're happy to see that uh, he is all but guaranteed uh, the nomination. Of course, it's just between him now and former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley. But the broader question here, I think, is how have Christians treated one another and how should we continue to wrestle with this question of selecting the best possible person to run for president and talk about politics, not just Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis or personalities or um, all of these really contentious issues, but come at this understanding that there can be a difference of opinion. If there are people who support uh, Donald Trump, I think they have a lot of very good reasons for that. And I'm not going to divide. Uh, my friendship with people who still support the former president. Um, And I'm certainly not, uh, prior to Governor DeSantis dropping out, I certainly didn't divide and choose. If if some people chose not to talk to me, then okay, that's their decision. But I'm not going to divide as Christians over an issue that is not one of a biblical doctrine. Of course, there are absolutes, um, there are things that Christians are called to call out as heresy. Um, there are doctrinal issues, and we're actually going to get to one of those later on in the program um, that is, is a really sad from our good friend um, Alistair Begg. But when we're talking about the best possible person for any public office or policy. These are debatable issues. And so um, I had an opportunity to go on today's issues last week. So this aired Thursday. So um, if it's if it's referencing Governor DeSantis in a contemporary sense or current sense, um, it aired last week before he dropped out. So that's why. But I wanted to play this full segment from today's issues for those of you who didn't have an opportunity to hear that program last Thursday, because our AFA president, Tim Wildman, um, invited me on to talk about the uh, the divisiveness and we've gotten some calls from um, from donors who have expressed that because you know I have a different opinion than you know well we can't support Afr and um, and 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 that I think is re- very disheartening and so we had this conversation and I want to play this clip for you and um, and I really want you to uh consider if you have been one that has been listening very frustrated that I voiced an opinion maybe different than yours or different than some of my AFR colleagues. I don't speak for everyone here at AFR. I speak my opinions and analysis and um that's why I'm on in the morning and other people are on at different times. So um so really consider this and, and I think this was a really great conversation. So uh here's Thursday from today's issues.
1: Well uh hey I, I told folks at the top of the program we were going to talk about the Republican primary and and also we're going to talk about politics and and how to, how to navigate through this as christians because we've got some calls and emails i'll tell you about this jenna in text this morning uh yes. you know some folks have said uh you know jenna advocating an ever trump position and because of that you know i'm cutting off my support to american family radio which uh listen people can make up their own minds about who or who to support or not to support but i would just uh, first of all we're going to talk to jenna about this what is her real position on this and i'll tell you mine and then uh tell folks listen when it comes to supporting ministries i think it, it, it are you need to it's kind of short-sighted to say uh you know because you disagree with something one person says on the radio uh you know unless it's anti-biblical uh or anti-scriptural or heretical absolutely that would be uh something to, to to cancel your support for but otherwise i would say we need to be a little bit more mature uh i know i'm chastising some people but we need to be more mature and more uh discerning and and allow each other a little bit more grace when it comes to politics because it can get ugly and get, get divisive, and people can say and do things on emotions that maybe they don't mean the next day, and especially when it comes to a primary. Now, when it comes to a general election, most people, you know, choose their side, and everybody's in agreement. Uh, but um, but when it comes to to primary politics, it's it can be uh, it can be contentious even among friends and family. I said last March, I said I predicted us, you know, when. DeSantis, Governor DeSantis decided to run against former President Trump. I said, "There's going to be a, this can be some, uh going to be some bad Thanksgiving meals, <laughs> because people are going to choose sides and people are going to get get upset with one another, maybe some uh, about their positions." All right, so Jenna, <clears throat> uh, we've got some calls and emails. I told you about this this morning. They said, "Hey, Jenna's saying she's, she's she has a never Trump uh, position and she's on American Family Radio." Uh, Do you have a never Trump uh, position, Jenna?
0: No, I don't. And uh, I have a Christian conservative position, which is that the Bible alone is sufficient for uh, everything for the Christian life. And within that, there is a soteriology matters that are essential to the faith. And then there are wisdom issues. And the wisdom issues we can all uh, disagree on and we can debate over the best position for Christians to take. And that's what I talk about on the radio. And let me say as well, I don't certainly speak for everyone at AFR. There are people like uh, my predecessor, Sandy Rios, um, who you know had the time slot, who is very much a, a supporter of uh, President Trump. Interestingly, I got a lot of response when I first started the program from listeners saying, you know, we are very concerned that you're too pro-Trump. We don't want to listen to that and were actually chastising me the other way, which just tells you that on issues of wisdom, which this is, this is not a matter that is essential to the Christian faith, reasonable Christians can and often do disagree. And again, in 2016, we were in this same position where I was advocating for Trump. Um, I voted for him twice. I worked for him as, as everyone knows. Um, and I had Christians then in 2016, leading into November, saying, Jenna, how can you possibly be a Christian and support Donald Trump? And at that time, I said the same thing I'm saying now. This is a matter of wisdom, and reasonable people can disagree. I'm not never Trump. Could he convince me to support him again a third time? Potentially. Right now, and I'm going to always be open with my audience of where I think the best possible uh, move and participation in civil government can be. And people are free to disagree with that. And what I'm not going to do is ever take a position contrary to scripture. And if people listening consider your support for or against a political candidate in the United States of America, whether or not that's Trump, to be a matter essential to the faith, then I think you've lost sight of what this ministry is all about. Because AFR is not about supporting different candidates. It's all about taking the best possible action to promote the truth of the gospel of christ and i can disagree with people on with my fellow colleagues on afr but i'm certainly not going to divide because this is not a matter essential to the faith this is a matter that we all should be discussing as christians and debating what is the best possible outcome to further our freedom in our american society
1: amen sister i I like that uh approach i think you know, uh, and, and w- with with respect to former President Trump, I remember back to 16, I remember experiencing the same thing. I remember one fella who's a devout Christian, a conservative, and uh, did some work for us at the office. And I never will forget it. He looked at me and he said, we cannot have Donald Trump. This is before the primaries when Trump announced, we cannot have Donald Trump. And as pre- as as the Republican nominee, and this is back, you know, before about about the time that Trump announced he was going to run for president. There was a lot of Christians who were very worried and concerned that Mr. Trump's his previous lifestyle, uh, his Playboy lifestyle. He's a forty-year New York liberal. Come on, I mean, there was reasons, particularly at that time, to question supporting him uh but that was in the primary season of course ted cruz a senator from texas i think he got the vote of uh, most christians at the time in the primary process but eventually ended up losing the uh, the primary to uh trump uh who went on to you know uh, win and then he won the presidency right mm-hmm. and then <clears throat> he had a four-year record we can debate that record i'm talking about president trump my view is, overall, generally speaking, he had a good presidency. He did a lot of good things for the, uh, for the conservative movement. Now, did he have a conservative worldview? No, he didn't. Uh, it, he relied on uh, people who did to tell him what to do. He, he didn't know who to appoint uh, for federal judges or Supreme Court justices. But he was smart enough to listen to people who did, like the Federalist Society. And you know, we can argue about the Federalist Society and whether they're conservative enough or whether they gave him the right kind of uh, advice in, in appointing judges. I'm just saying most, I think, I'm, I'm speaking broadly and generally here, but I think most Christians in this country, most listeners to American Family Radio, would give approval to Donald Trump's presidency on an overall basis. He and I would deal.
0: too.
1: Huh? Wouldn't you agree? I-
0: Absolutely, and I was very proud to work for him and be a part of supporting the three uh, now justices of the Supreme Court that overturned Roe. All of that, absolutely. Yes,
1: I never will forget going to the meeting in New York City that uh, Governor Huckabee hosted with Donald Trump, then candidate Donald Trump, and Donald Trump, and they did that, and they brought a lot of religious leaders, particularly more, more Christians than anybody else, to New York City to hear what President Trump, well, then candidate Trump, had to say about, uh, about his positions and his, and his thoughts. And because he was trying to woo, he knew that, Trump knew that he had to have the Christians vote for him or he was not going to beat Hillary Clinton. He knew that. So Donald Trump, his whole life, basically has been a negotiator and transactional. And uh, Donald Trump did not have a pro-life position uh, he, he, until he ran for president on the Republican side, so I think the the Christian voters traded with Trump. <laughs> Trump traded with Christian voters. He got my, my, my Vice President uh, Mike Pence to be on his team, uh, to be VP. So Trump did everything he could uh, to woo Christian voters to support him. And he, I mean, I think he was pretty open about it. He didn't have—I mean, he didn't have a particularly Christian or conservative worldview. But he he did have a lot of things that Christians and conservatives could agree with, namely Hillary Clinton did need to be president because it would be awful uh, for her policies would be awful for Christians and conservatives. And she would have four years of appointing federal judges, including, as we know now, four years with Trump. You had the three unprecedented three in four years, three Supreme Court uh, justices uh, that uh, that uh, that president and that was President Trump was able to was able to um, appoint. So that's kind of the backdrop to where we are uh, today. Again, I think broadly and generally, and Jenna agrees that most people think that President Trump had a successful uh, presidency. COVID mm-hmm. hit, and you can, you know, I, I would give President Trump mixed results on COVID, his uh, COVID response. Uh, he 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 was flying by the seat <laughs> his pants, like we all would have been. A pandemic? Good grief! So you're rocking along, you're President Trump, and you're having a pretty good presidency, and everything's going pretty good, and then people walk in with white coats, you know, and tell you, "Hey, you better do this, that, or the other, or millions of people are going to die." And so he's trying to figure that out. And uh, and uh, all right. So anyway, I'm 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 talking a little bit too too much, I guess. About that, but let, but that's the backdrop to where we are today. He uh, lost the election to Joe Biden in 2020, and I don't know if people are saying, "No, he didn't. It was stolen." Okay, L- listen. We can argue about uh, all the ins and outs of that, uh, but I, that's really not going to serve our purpose here today, uh, because it it. You know, uh, Biden was president. And he's president today. So now we're now we are up to today. Biden versus uh, whoever the Republican nominee is. President Trump is favored. He won Iowa. He's favored to win. I don't know where he's not favored to win right now with respect to the uh, Republican primaries. Governor Ron DeSantis decided to throw his hat in the ring. He, uh, Governor DeSantis is the most successful cover, uh, conservative governor in my lifetime. The guy's amazing. His, his accomplishments in Florida are unprecedented with respect to fighting against the left. Uh, so he, he, has, he has credibility within the conservative movement that's uh, remarkable. Uh, should he have run against President Trump? I don't know. He thought he should uh, for the reasons that he believes in, and he can articulate those well. He's a grown-up. And he will continue to fight, I guess, until he decides I can't beat uh, uh, f- former President Trump, and I'll I'll drop out. I don't know when that'll be. I don't know what'll happen in the next few weeks. But I just know Trump is heavily favored in all these primaries. So, Jenna, when with uh, you still there?
0: I am, and I you know I appreciate your your full synopsis, and I think that okay. that places us well.
1: Well, I don't charge by the hour like lawyers. I just <laughs> I can just talk and talk and talk but um okay here we are today now uh, with president trump i've already given credit to his four years in the white house but let's be honest folks with president trump it becomes hard sometimes to somebody said he's hard to love (laughs) i had a a friend of mine who's a hard they're pretty staunch uh, trump supporter and they say well he's hard to love that's the way they described it when i said Good night. Did you hear what he said that today? So he says and does things, uh, Jenna, they're not just mean tweets, okay, folks? They're not just mean tweets. Sometimes President Trump just kicks people in the groin uh, who are good people, and he does so unnecessarily. He is a narcissist, we all know that, and that's a personality disorder. And sometimes narcissists, they lash out at people unnecessarily who they think are challenging them. He called Ron De- He called Governor DeSantis, Trump did, a globalist rhino, okay? We all know that's not true. So, Jenna, sometimes with Trump, do you just laugh it off and say, well, he just that's just Trump being Trump, or do you take things seriously and say, wait a minute, that's not fair. That's slanderous to call um, Governor DeSantis a globalist rhino. Go, go ahead, comment on that.
0: Well, I've certainly taken the position very publicly that uh, there are a lot of, frankly, lies that came out of the Trump campaign and from Trump uh, toward Governor DeSantis, who I agree with you, um, has been the best conservative Uh, governor in current uh, American history, and he has had an unprecedented run. And so my initial opposition to the Trump campaign for 2024 wasn't like 2016, where, you know, maybe he had some very uh, unsavory rhetoric, the mean tweets, some of that stuff. But overall, he was pointing out Issues in Washington that everybody understood. Yeah, that's kind of the way the swamp works. And that's why he became so popular. But now when he's running to the left of Governor DeSantis, as a Christian conservative, I'm not going to say, ah, well, you know, Trump is Trump, let Trump be Trump, or as a matter of loyalty to a, a a political candidate, I'm gonna let that slide. I think it's incumbent upon Christian conservatives to value truth and to value fidelity to the principles of the Bible first and foremost, but also conservatism, to point that out. And if you support Trump after that, even knowing all that, fine, that, that's again, it's a matter of wisdom, but we should always be calling out the things that are lies or maybe bad policy decisions, um, of any political candidate. Uh, Mike Johnson, for example, who's the Speaker of the House now, he's been a friend of mine personally for years. He is a solid Christian conservative. That doesn't mean that I'm just going to support every decision that he makes, even if I think it's wrong. And wrong being a matter of wisdom, right? A, a matter of how the civil government in American society works. And so I think overall, the bigger picture for the donors who are really upset, I would say two things. First, we are never going to please everyone. If we're talking about politics, even if we're talking about doctrine on air, we're always going to offend someone. That's just the nature of of talk radio. And so if you're going dif- to divide over political disagreements, then you don't understand the ministry that is AFR. And secondly, um, if you are going to want to pull your funding because you disagree primarily i would say as a matter of censorship to try to say well we disagree with jenna and afr should rein her in kind of a thing and we should all have the talking points then i think that that actually does a a, a misservice and a disservice to our listeners that have a wide variety of opinions within the context of a biblical framework and we need to remember the trump era like the reagan era like the founding fathers era is eventually going to end because that's the natural end of, of man. And we need to remember Isaiah 48 says, the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. This isn't about loyalty to a politician or even a nation. This is all about loyalty to God and being willing to debate and disagree maturely, as you said, Tim, the really hard issue. So I would ask those donors to consider funding what the ministry is all about and I would just say Tim thank you for having me on and also for AFR not only supporting me um, through what has has been the most difficult political circumstance of my life with everything uh, going on in Georgia and the plea that I took there that obviously I can't get into but our listeners are well aware of that for all of the support you guys have endured a lot with me that I know you didn't anticipate and for those listening AFR has stood behind the truth and has supported me in a way that I never even expected, and I'm very, very grateful for that.
1: Well, <clears throat> thank you uh, for, for that. You, that uh, the way that, that the DA has gone after you and the others in Georgia is just ridiculous, and um, it's it is lawfare, and uh, the, and and President Trump is experiencing some of that. We uh, that that's uh, we've talked about that. We've acknowledged that. I, now I said that. <laughs> With Trump, again, a lot of people say, you know, don't criticize President Trump uh, or or I I don't know what or what. But I say Trump steps on rakes uh, a lot and he he causes his mouth causes him some unnecessary problems. Uh, That's just uh, that's just the truth of the matter. Okay, so. I understand your position. I respect your position. My position is okay. I'm the president of this ministry, American Family Association, American Family Radio. I just want to tell people how I feel. Can I share my feelings? Is that okay? <laughs> Jenna, this is a safe space. You there? Do you yes. care? <laughs> <Are> we have <having laughs> a family a conference space. here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Here's my view, <clears throat> and people can disagree. Okay. I think good people can disagree. I think Christians can disagree. My view is this. Uh, people can vote who they want to in the primary. I think it's wrong to call for Governor DeSantis to drop out now, uh, uh, or or Nikki Haley to drop out now. They'll drop out when they want to. They got a lot of people that have invested in their pres- in their campaigns, money, time, energy, effort. Governor DeSantis himself uh, spent a lot of time in Iowa. You know, he's two-term elected governor of Florida. He decided to run for president because he believes that he's the best man for the job. Let him run and when he runs out of gas, uh, he said he will support whoever the Republicans choose, and that's probably gonna be, that, you know, favorite right now would be Donald Trump. Uh, let me note here that President Trump did not sign the pledge that he would support whoever the Republican nominee was, okay? I don't know if he was planning on running third party, if he didn't win the Republican nomination or not. I gotta finish this thought process, and there's the music. And so we're just going to have to come back in five minutes because I want to tell people my view on this overarching issue of, of, the, of the presidential election. Uh, so, Jenna, thank you for your thoughts. I understand, uh, you, you know, I don't uh, you, you express yourself very well. It's very reasonably thought out. And, and we will talk to you later. OK,
0: thank you so much, Tim. I appreciate the opportunity to to come on and for everyone who's supporting this great ministry. Thank you.
1: OK, God bless you.
0: Last year, because of you, Preborn's network of clinics saw over 58,000 babies saved. Thank you to all who made this possible. Let's celebrate these precious babies. Daisy and her husband decided they never wanted kids. When she found out she was pregnant, she immediately thought abortion. But after she and her husband met her baby on an ultrasound and heard the heartbeat, their hearts melted and they chose life her baby Jeffrey is healthy and beautiful. Daisy and her husband can't even imagine life without him. Each of these babies are truly miraculous and every day Preborn celebrates 200 miracles. $28 a month can be the difference between the life and the death of a child. When a mother meets her baby on ultrasound and hears their heartbeat, it's a divine connection that doubles the baby's chance at life. Let's join together and help mothers choose life. Just dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby that's pound 250 baby or visit preborn.com that's preborn.com
1: welcome back to jenna ellis in the morning on american family radio
0: Welcome back and we are talking about the top trending headline which is that Governor DeSantis has suspended his campaign as of yesterday and if you missed the last segment or you came in uh, in the middle of that segment um, I played a segment from today's issues that aired last Thursday where our AFA president Tim Wildman and I were talking about the uh, divisiveness of this primary cycle and how conservatives uh, really can debate these issues they can discuss them and we uh We have, and we should continue to do that, but we shouldn't um, divide or presume that the, the, uh, The salvation or the faith, credibility of each other based on political differences. And so um, my good friend Josh Hammer, who's been a regular on this show, he's the Newsweek senior editor at large and host of The Josh Hammer Show, wrote a column actually even before Governor DeSantis suspended his campaign titled, After Iowa, It's Time for Republicans to Rally Around Trump. And given the fact that DeSantis is now out of the race, um, I think that uh, he would affirm his points in this article even stronger. So, Josh, um, a lot of uh, conservatives now who supported Governor DeSantis uh, are saying, you know, no, we're kind of never again Trumpers. But you have a different viewpoint on that and think that we all should as conservatives support the former president. So what is your argument? And good morning.
2: Good morning, Jenna. Always great to speak with you. So I live in Florida. I moved to Florida during the COVID-19 pandemic, as did so many others. I have benefited tremendously from the leadership and governance of America's greatest governor, someone who almost single-handedly really put this state on the trajectory that it is now on, away from the purple state, the swing state status, away from the state that decided the 2000 presidential election of George W. Bush and Al Gore by between five and 600 votes towards one of the most formidable and dynamic red states in the country. And I really am indebted to our to our governor for a lot. And I was proud to support his presidential campaign, even though it never gained the traction that many of us either expected or hoped that it would. But at the same time, Jenna, the Republican Party in the year 2024 is orders of magnitude different. Than the Republican Party of 2008 or 2012, 2016 happened, and the Republican voter base looks a lot different than it used to. The Republican platform looks a lot different than it used to. And there is simply no, no going back whatsoever, I think, to the pre-2016 status quo ante, to the politics, the policy, the personalities, the style of governance, and all of the above that characterized the Republican Party back in that era, back when it was more the party of – global swashbuckling, you know, democracy spreading neoconservatism back when it was the party of Wall Street Journal editorial board style corporate tax cuts for fee, but not worrying about bread and butter economic concerns for, for me, I, I, you know, back when it was a less realist, a less nationalist party, a more globalist party in many ways. And for that reason, Jenna, I, 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 again, I, I, as I just explained, I was a very proud supporter of Governor DeSantis, but I was always of the opinion throughout this entire primary that Donald Trump was my second choice. I I wrote that in columns as far back as last summer. I was not exactly hiding the ball on that. And after Iowa, I did write this column. It was very clear to me after after Iowa that there was no path forward for Governor DeSantis. I was pleased to see that the campaign ultimately agreed with me. I think it's time for Governor DeSantis to come home and focus on what he does best, which is kick butt in Tallahassee and just pass super – conservative, super dynamic legislation and continue to lead our, our great state there. And, and for me personally, it's it's somewhat of a no-brainer. I mean, I, I know all of the criticisms of Donald Trump. Heck, I mean, I even advanced many of those criticisms over the past year and a half. He passed any number of bills that, that I didn't agree with. The First Step Act of 2018 comes immediately to mind. I have any number of criticisms over His handling of COVID-19, and of course there are the, you know, who knows what's going to happen with the criminal indictments and the 91 counts. I mean, will that affect moderate suburban turnout? But, But he's the nominee, Jenna. He is the nominee and he had a very successful first three years of his presidency. He really did. You know, COVID is covid remains a major asterisk on the resume but he had a very successful three years the economy was rocking most important honestly looking across the world today the world stage was not on fire things were relatively calm and tranquil and my conscience at least personally is pretty clear and straightforward that i plan to vote for him this fall
0: and i appreciate uh, that josh so much And that You've always been uh, very forthright with how you have analyzed this every step of the way. And that's all that we can really ask for uh, from the conservative base, right, is to say um, for people like you and me that supported Governor DeSantis and and did so because we genuinely believed he was the best. Now um, he's out of the race and Donald Trump is uh, the nominee. And so that becomes the question is, what do we do now? And um, everything that you said as well about how this isn't pre-2016. And Donald Trump did uh, reshape the Republican Party in some very good ways. Um, we can certainly have the criticisms, and and we should. We should look at it uh, fully openly, not just with uh, this sort of uh, personality dynamic to say, okay, because he's the nominee now, we can't criticize or critique anything at all. Uh, we wouldn't be conservatives if we did that. Um, but he has moved the party forward in a lot of good ways, I think. Um, and so for those who say, well, this is now going to be Trump versus Biden, um, does your calculus change at all if it's not Biden ultimately that is the the Democrat nominee?
2: No, it it, it, it does not. I mean, I, I, I can't. Look, I mean, I, I probably shouldn't issue a blanket statement saying that, Jenna. I mean, like, who knows? I mean, what if, like, you know, I mean, uh, what if Ted Cruz were to somehow switch his party affiliation to Democrat for hey, I mean, I'm making up a bizarre hypothetical, obviously, <laughs> right. you know, this is like, but it's 2024.
0: School, like, Who knows? <laughs> you right. know, I yeah, mean, anything it's, could it's, happen.
2: <laughs> right. I mean, um, you know, you're also a lawyer. This is like first year law school hypotheticals just to kind of test the limits of any particular theory. But look, I mean. Right. Uh, no, I, I mean, regardless of who they do, whether it's Kamala Harris, Gavin Newsom, Dean Phillips, uh, Jared Paulus in, in your state of Colorado, I mean, you know, whoever it could be, I mean, there's, there, there is just no foreseeable world um, in, in which I would personally, I, I, in which I can ever see myself pulling the lever for a Democrat, in which I would ever encourage conservatives or people of, of faith or traditional values to, to do so as well. That shift has sailed in the Democratic Party a very, very, very long time ago. And, you know, just sticking on that theme of uh, of kind of faith and traditional values and things like that, look, I'm, I mean, Donald Trump's personal history, his past is is what it is. I mean, a lot of that was litigated out in the open during the 2016 presidential primary eight years ago now. But, you know, look, I mean, many of us had questions. I mean, back in 2016, I supported Ted Cruz quite passionately in the primary. Many of us had major questions about what kind of president Donald Trump would be, what he would do when it it came to the issues that matter to voters of faith, of conscience, of of traditional values. But when it comes to the judiciary, he he really was in many ways successful. Now, it's true that his Supreme Court picks of Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, and Barrett are not as rock rib conservative as Clarence Thomas and Sam Alito, a point that I've made many times. But his lower court picks on the federal trial and appeals courts, Jenna, were – almost across the board, remarkably successful. I, I know that firsthand because I clerked for one. I, I literally clerked on the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit right right down there in, in Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi. That was, that was our court's appellate docket. Uh, for Judge Jim Ho, who was a Trump nominee, and I saw the quality of the Trump nominees really helping to reshape the judiciary in, in a way that dramatically favors voters of conscience, of of, of faith, of traditional values. So, uh, you know, like I said, my my mind is made pretty clear. I, I don't judge anyone one way or the other for what they ultimately do, but that voting for Trump this fall is definitely the choice that I would encourage other conservatives to make.
0: I'm speaking with Josh Hammer, who is the Newsweek senior editor at large and host of The Josh Hammer Show, and he has a great piece that you should read, uh, After Iowa, It's Time for Republicans to Rally to Trump, and I think that this has become even more reinforced since you wrote this, Josh, before Governor DeSantis suspended his campaign, Um, and we're making that argument anyway, and now that he has suspended his campaign, um, I don't think a lot of conservatives, uh, or or those at least in our circles and, and certainly listening to this program, are going to now flock to Nikki. Haley, Um, but in terms of the former DeSantis supporters and some who have been concerned with uh, issues that that you and I would agree with, that we would critique or criticize about former President Trump, uh, what do you think that the Trump campaign has to do to appeal to those voters and, and maybe even demographics that historically he didn't perform well with, like um, suburban moms. And um, interestingly, we saw that the number of evangelicals that supported Donald Trump in Iowa actually went up compared um, to the last two times. So um, so I think he's doing well, by and large, with, um, with conservative evangelicals. But to some um, demographics, what can and and probably has to change about his message going into the general election?
2: Well, my message, first of all, to day one Trump supporters, to those who are with Trump in the primary is very simple, which is just being normal, you know, be (laughs) be relatively gracious, act like normal human beings. And to be sure that does describe most people. Um, you know, you know after, after I wrote my column on Friday, Jenna, I received overwhelmingly positive feedback um, from folks in, in Trump orbit. There were, you know, I, I'm not even sure if I, if, I, if I received a single nasty message, actually. So I, my anecdotal evidence on this is, is pretty good. But, you know, having said that, I, I, there's no reason to name names. But, you know, after DeSantis did drop out yesterday, there definitely were some individuals and some organizations that put out some pretty vile statements you know rejecting the endorsement rejecting the ability of folks who supported a different candidate in the primary like Ron DeSantis to ever to ever come home in the general election i mean that is the exact opposite of what any political movement any political coalition should want so my message to the to the supporters is extremely straightforward which is you know, your guy crushed you in Iowa. He's going to be the nominee. Just act normal, and most people are going to end up coming home. So, again, I don't think, I don't think acting normal is a particularly, is a particularly high uh, threshold to clear. As far as the policies – um, and you know, Jenna, shameless plug. I actually have a new podcast episode just out this morning on my own show that, that talks about this actually in in, in some in some depth. I, I would strongly encourage Trump in the in the general election this fall to focus really on three issues, which is crime, immigration, and the economy. I would avoid. I would I would I would encourage him to avoid going down the road of of, of overly overly hot button so called cultural issues. I mean, certainly there are some issues that I that I think he should. Firm up his conservative bona fides on. He had some curious comments about Bud Light and the whole transgender phenomenon last cycle. I would, I would encourage him to take a more conservative stance and reassure voters of faith and tradition for sure. But you can really stick to an argument about bread and butter, quality of life issues that voters feel each and every day. And I think the insane situation at the southern border, the migrants who are flooding in, inflation and the economy and wages and job growth and, and, and the increasing income gap in this country, things like that. Crime, obviously, which was dramatically better under President Trump's tenure, at least before 2020 and the Black Lives Matter riot. That would be a very good formula for, for success for him to win back and swing state voters. Yeah, fall, just,
0: just classic America first. Well, Josh Hammer, thanks so much. And you can follow him at The Josh Hammer Show. We'll be right back with more here on Jenna Ellis in the Morning. If you're like most of us, you're paying way too much for healthcare. That's why I want to tell you about a ministry that has been meeting the healthcare needs of hundreds of thousands of Christians, and that's Christian Healthcare Ministries, CHministries.org. Christian Healthcare Ministries is cost-sharing made easy. For over 40 years, this unique model has allowed believers to choose their own doctors without worrying about networks or waiting periods, since they are not insurance, but a faith-based alternative to insurance. Members not only get advanced That's chministries.org slash AFR. Christian Healthcare Ministries is the longest serving health share ministry, serving all 50 states. Share the good news with a friend too, chministries.com slash AFR. Make the switch today with any time enrollment.
1: Welcome back to Jenna Ellis in the morning on American Family Radio.
0: Welcome back, and as most of you know, yesterday was Sanctity of Life Sunday, and we saw a wonderful turnout at the March for Life in D.C., even amid all of the cold temperatures, and we here at AFR are continuing to support the mission of pre-born. Over 1.2 million babies are aborted in America still each year, but in the midst of this awful tragedy, we can do something about it. If you would like to sponsor the ultrasounds that show uh, mothers, the the truth of their baby's life and heartbeat in the womb, you can support uh, Preborn, you can go to AFR.net and click on that banner to donate now and learn more about Preborn's ministry. Well, as Christians, we should always be concerned about uh, issues, not just in politics, but in the Christian life and uh, for ensuring that we have sound doctrine. And when um, otherwise really good teachers and pastors um, end up straying from that, then it is the responsibility of genuine Christians to call that out and um, in a in a loving and truthful way and to encourage uh, the promotion of truth. And um, this was in an interview on the book, The Christian Manifesto with uh, Alistair Begg and then Bob uh, Lapine, or um, hopefully I'm pronouncing that right, on truthforlife.org. And of course, uh, we host the, um, the Truth for Life, uh, Alistair Begg here on AFR. And Alistair Begg has been one of my favorite Bible teachers. Um, so I was very disheartened um, to hear this response in this interview that uh, Alistair Begg um, basically supported and affirmed Christians attending a same-sex marriage. And this is the clip from that interview uh, from his book, The Christian Manifesto. Listen to this.
1: I think every pastor who preaches, every author who writes a book like this comes away thinking, I hope my readers or my listeners will think differently as a result of their interaction with this, will, will feel differently, and will act differently. As you think about this book and your prayer for this book, what do you hope will be different? How do you hope people will be different after they have read uh, this book and they've meditated on this sermon?
3: Well first of all I you know I hope that I will be different um the old song that we never sing you know it's not my brother not my sister but it's me oh lord standing in the need of prayer I mean that that is that is foundationally the case um and so I hope that that would be multiplied I hope that that um our church family those who choose to uh read this book that we that it might have an impact among us, because learning to say, I'm sorry, learning to say, please forgive me, learning to say, you know, I'm not at my best at the moment, can you come alongside me, learning to say, yes, I know that these people believe a very different agenda, that their lifestyle is orientated in another direction, and learning to say, but I have no basis upon which I could argue that I myself would not be where they are, were it not for the amazing grace of God, were it not for his compassion towards me. And in very specific areas, this comes across. I mean, you and I know that we field questions all the time that go along the lines of, uh, my grandson is about to be married to a transgender person, and I don't know what to do about this and I'm calling to ask you to tell me what to do, which mm. is a huge responsibility. And in a conversation like that just a few days ago um, and uh, people may not like this answer but I asked the I asked the grandmother, does your grandson understand your uh, belief in Jesus? Yes, does your grandson understand that your belief in Jesus makes it such that you can't countenance? Uh, in any affirming way, the choices that he has made in life? Yes. I said, well, then, okay, as long as he knows that, then I suggest that you do go to the ceremony, mm. and I suggest that you buy them a gift. Mm. Oh, she said, what? She was caught off guard. I said, well, here's the thing. You, they're, you're not going to—your your love for them may catch them off guard, but your absence will simply reinforce— the fact that they said these people are what I always thought judgmental, critical, unprepared mm. to countenance anything, and it is a fancy, it is a fine line, isn't it? It really yeah. is, and people need to work out their own salvation with fear and trembling. But I think we're going to take that risk. We're going to have to take that risk a lot more if we want to build bridges into the hearts and lives of those who don't understand Jesus and and don't understand that He is a King. John tells
1: us He was full of grace and truth and we have to figure out how we can be full of grace and truth at the same time don't we yeah yeah full of
3: our words should be full of grace and seasoned with salt
0: so that was an interview between Alistair Begg and Bob Lapine on uh, truthforlife.org and this was so uh Lapine I'm being told thank you for that correction uh from Devin my producer and uh You know, I always think the question for Christians, while it is true that we need to have a grace and truth, Grace is a matter of application. Truth speaks for itself. And the question when we're dealing with doctrine as applied is, are we changing positions because we read something in scripture that challenged our prior interpretation or assumptions? Or is it a matter of social pressure, emotion, convenience, personal life, et cetera? Because everyone can change their mind based on reason, sound persuasion and continuing to learn more about what the Bible actually says. But no one here in this interview was arguing an actual appeal to the text or advancing doctrinal purity. Uh, What was happening is that uh, Alistair Begg was promoting this idea that there are times, and and he said we have to walk a fine line, Um, but he was actually encouraging this grandmother to attend a, uh, an LGBTQ marriage ceremony, which we as Christians know, that's, that's a, an impossibility, just like a, a man can't become a woman. Um, there is no such thing as uh, homosexual marriage. Marriage is designed by, by God. And the definition is between one man and one woman and so to go and affirm and participate and celebrate something that is inherently wrong and contrary to scripture just because maybe we'll build a bridge or we don't want to uh, give the uh, the grandson this view that well I'm I'm just it, we're reaffirming that Christians are judgmental well what I always say is it's God that has judged already and it is not for me to reinterpret that or to question that or to say, well, there are exceptions to that. I'm not the one that's judging same-sex marriage as wrong. I am simply advocating and proclaiming the truth of what God himself as the ultimate and only absolute judge has already said. So I hope that Alistair Begg will uh, retract this. He will issue a clarifying statement uh, or and completely um, repent for saying that that he gave this type of advice because I believe that it is contrary to Scripture based on not just the cultural application and how we have to navigate these issues. Uh, We are not the first society to have to navigate difficult questions of how to treat non-believers. What we are called as Christians to do is stand up for the truth and maybe someone will think we're judgmental for it. All right, well, we can't control how they view our Christian faith. All we can do is to continue to stand up for the truth, for the gospel of Christ, and hope that as we live out our lives in love, in grace, but standing firm on truth, by that we will convince others to know God and to give their lives to the Lord in genuine salvation. So this, this to me is, um, is heretical, and we need to call it out as that. I don't think that we need to just then say, "Well, we can never listen to Alistair Beg anymore, and he's totally off, and you know all of these things." No, I think that this is a difficult issue. We need to talk about it. We need to stand firm on the truth, but we do need to um, have some grace as well for um, our friend Alistair Beg. And and again, I really hope that he will issue a clarifying statement and retract this. So, if you want to listen to that full interview, it is at Truth for Life. And we just need to be praying that all of us would remain faithful and consistent to the word of God and not yield to the temptation to water down our faith because the times are difficult and it's very hard sometimes to stand up for truth in a culture that has turned away from the Lord. So you can always reach me and my team, Jenna at AFR.net. Make it a great day and I will see you tomorrow morning right here on Jenna Ellis in the Morning.
1: The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family
0: Radio. I want to thank my sponsors, Preborn and Christian Healthcare Ministries. Preborn Network Clinics have rescued over 200,000 babies from abortion, and every day they save 200 babies' lives. But they can't do it without our help. Will you head over to preborn.com slash AFR and sponsor an ultrasound?